What's up? Hi, Brett. What's for lunch? Fish. Right, same thing every day. Salmon? Cod? Orange Ruffy. I can't stand it. Orange Ruffy is the healthiest fish to eat on a consistent basis. So, because I'm getting a little older and I'm not a major league baseball player anymore, and really when I train, I have nothing to train for other than vanity and health. And I don't train like I used to. So, to keep my body the way I want it, fish and spinach once a day or twice a day on good days keeps me fit without having to overexert myself at the gym. Does that make sense? How do you make the orange roughy? I love food as much as the next guy, but I don't eat for pleasure. <laughs> so I eat to just get it in. So I, I don't even care. I put pepper on it. No, no sauces, no salt. I put it in a pan. I defrost it. I put it in a pan. I load it with pepper on both sides. I cook it for about, it takes about six minutes. I put spinach in a bowl with some water. I heat it for a minute 25, maybe a third of a sweet potato, put pepper on all of it. And I just eat it in about 90 seconds and I'm done. <laughs> Jeez. So no lemon, no nothing, huh? Nothing. I just eat it. Why not I, lemon? Well, everybody's always saying, oh, you can make it taste better if you do that. I said, it's not about the taste, guys. It's about getting it in, being done. Yeah, but a little lemon, I think, would make it a little bit more enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, but when you've eaten it as much as I have, you don't. You don't enjoy anything. You hate it. Everybody, welcome into the Bread Boone podcast. <laughs> I'm Dan Levy. This is your silver slugger, golden glover, and all-star, and apparently an iron chef, Bread Boone. I am an iron chef, Dan. Anything you need, just just reach out. I've, I've got all the answers in the cooking department. Well, good, because I have a lot of questions about life, and you may finally be the shaman that I've been looking for. <laughs> okay. Shoot. Well, before we get to anything, let's talk about what's going on in the world these days. You won't let me play golf with you, which hurts my feelings, but I understand it. So I've been watching golf. I'm assuming you watched the tournament over the weekend. What do you think? Uh, I did watch uh, the, the major... Yes, Are we sir. talking about the same? Yeah, the major. A few days ago, it finished. Um, I think it's interesting. I, I really, as much as you know, baseball is my passion, and and I like all sports, but I really enjoy the most watching golf, especially a, a major tournament. I just it's fascinating to me because I love the game. It's my number one hobby, uh, away from baseball, and. Uh, I just, you know, because I because I go out and I play so much and I've played so much over the last 20 or 30 years, I, I like watching the best in the world, how they hit it and and uh, just with the purity that they hit it. Because I know just going out and playing a random round, you know, I hit those shots and, and when you hear that, whoosh, it's great. And to watch guys that do it consistently is uh, it's 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 fun for me to watch. I told you I've just now gotten into it. It is very, 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 very relaxing. I do enjoy it, and you're right. There is something like when I go out on the range and I hit some balls or I try to take it a couple of nines, and you're like, all right, I can do this, and you see these guys just no problem, such skill, such effortless motion. It's awesome. It really is. And, and uh, you know, anything at, at that high level that you can get away from your own sport and get, get outside, uh, you know, of the baseball arena, uh, it's great to watch, to play with another pro on the highest level to play around the golf in their arena. So you're kind of a fish, fish out of water. I, I think it's transcends any sport, football, basketball, to watch the guys play at the highest level. It's just different. Uh, 
you know, probably when they come into your arena and go to the batting cage or just watch, you know, take ground balls, it's like to take ground balls with the best in the world. It's, it's different than, than anybody, you know, has ever, <clears throat> except for the pros, you know, it, they've never witnessed something like that. So it's, it's pretty cool. Let's talk about taking ground balls on a professional level. Let's talk about shortstops these days. Shortstops today, I think, it's probably the best, the greatest era in Major League Baseball. It, definitely the modern era as far as the just the, the amount of really talented young shortstops. It's unbelievable, you know, just to watch. In my day, it was, you know, Cal Ripken was kind of the pioneer, you know, Ozzie Smith back in the earlier days, Ernie Banks type player those were the those were kind of the bar uh then you moved into the the Derek Jeter and the Nomar Garcia Parra and the Alex Rodriguez era where and those were just the elite elite shortstops um but nowadays you just look around the game and there are just so many you know it's and, and mainstays in the lineup these guys aren't just great defenders that hit eighth or ninth in the lineup these guys are, are the three and the four hole hitter playing short, you know, the most demanding uh, defensive position on the field by far. And and now they're also doing it on the other side of the ball, which which I, I just think it's it's the heyday right now in, in the history of Major League Baseball for shortstops. And the list is is 10 deep as far as I mean, guys that are just great players that don't have a chance to make an all star team because the, the the position is so flooded with unbelievable talent. I don't I don't think we've ever seen it before. It's just kind of the golden age of shortstops. And it's uh, it's really cool to watch. We've discussed this before. Your son is going to as, as signed with the Washington Nationals. Congratulations on that. Will he be spending time in the minor leagues before he goes, or is he? What's what's the path from here? <laughs> of course, of course. Um, it's it's a time for him uh, as a father, looking at it, knowing that it's your your kid's ambition and it's it's their passion. It's something they've been shooting for their whole life to have that professional opportunity and it finally has gotten here for him uh it's very rewarding but it but a but it's just more of rewarding as a dad to to see it now this is where the journey starts you know you you sign your contract and there's a lot of hugs and smiles and and the journey begins now because it's it's a it's a tough road to hoe and it's a it's a big uphill climb but uh you know the best of the best make it he'll he'll start off in a ball uh, go out of spring training next year, start off in a ball like everybody else. And, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens and, and only the best get to the next level. And if you have a really good year in a ball, you get to go to double a and, and nowadays double a is kind of the bar as far as, as, uh, from an evaluation standpoint, if you can get to double a and have a competitive season, it's kind of known in the business that you have a chance to be a major league player and make a career of, of baseball at the major league level. Double uh, A is kind of that that you know that grading scale. It's if you can get there, succeed, compete at a at a pretty good level at Double A, well then you're considered to be a major league prospect. So, but it's a it's a, it's a different road for each person. You know, a lot of kids coming out of high school at 18 years old. Uh, it might take them a little longer. You know, the 21-year-old coming out of a major college might have a little quicker route to the big leagues. But uh, you've got to – it's like anything else. you got to put up or – it's time to put up or shut up at the professional level. But 
but I'm really excited for him. Um, he's ready. He's he's going to finish his uh, senior year at Princeton now with the with the country the way it is. They're allowing them to do online classes, so he's going to get his degree at at Princeton by the end of the year. And and I'm very proud as a dad from that aspect. I couldn't imagine getting writing my thesis and finishing up my fourth <laughs> year at Princeton. Uh, that was not really in the cards for me. So I'm I'm doubly proud. I'm proud that he's getting the opportunity professionally, but but uh, getting that degree at Princeton is a really big, big stepping stone in life, and uh, I think it's going to serve him well down the, down the, down his road wherever wherever that may end. Now, when he asks you, he says, "Dad, <clears throat> I need to sit down with you. Tell me the differences right now between Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball. Are you going to give him the whole spiel, or are you going to go watch Bull Durham and let's talk?" <laughs> no, no, minor leagues. It's it's part of the process and and uh you know it, my experience as a minor leaguer started in 1990 and it was staying with five guys in a room and and my checks i think back then where i made 800 dollars a month five months a year and wow. i had to I, ha- I had to find a way well i got a little bit of a signing bonus so i had a little cushion uh but it depends who you are where you were drafted what your signing bonus is what background you come from uh what did you what did you do in the, what did you do in the meantime for money well, I, I had a bonus that I gotcha. signed for, so I had a little bit. You know, at the time, I thought I was the richest person in the world signing for, <laughs> you know, I think I got $90,000. And I, wow. to me, you know, that was coming from, That's awesome. you know, you know, working my, my summer job in high school where I detailed cars. So 90000 was a big deal. Next thing you know, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm buying new cars and, <laughs> and getting the quadraphonic blau, blau punk. And, and next thing you know, Uncle Sam comes to collect my taxes. And I realized that that 90000 is only 58000 And I got just bought this car for thirty eight, so I better sell that car. So you learn Damn. little life lessons. Damn. But the minor leagues is is kind of what Bull Durham set up. You know, there's, How close? there's some... It's it's the closest it's the closest uh, movie I've seen that that replicates what the real life is. Uh, yeah, there's a few fallacies in there. There's a few things that don't exactly line up, but for the most part, it's pretty accurate in what the minor leagues is like, and that forms you. And it's each player has an opportunity. Big difference in the minor leagues and the major leagues is is comes down to one thing, and that's speed. Speed of the game. Once you get out of the minor leagues, AAA is the highest level you go to. Uh, and then once you get to the big leagues, the difference of speed is is what makes the difference. Certain people can handle it, certain people can't. Because in the minor leagues, you know that that shortstop that you play in in, in AAA uh, throughout the league, and there might be ten teams. Uh, the difference you being out at si- and safe at first base is is a millisecond. In the big leagues, every shortstop is as good as is the best player on every minor league team. Are you following me on that? Of and course. it's just the, the speed. And, and I think that that transcends every sport. I think football, the highest level, it's speed from a division one college. You know, everybody's really good, but the best player on the best team, that's every position in the NFL. Same goes for the NBA. You know, that, that best player in the country. Well, every NBA team has a best player in the country at every position. And, and that's the difference from, Minor leagues to major leagues, from big time division college to the NFL, big time division college to the NBA, and it's just a speed thing. And if you got enough, uh, you'll have a chance to play at the highest level. What was that moment for you when you got into the big leagues and you went, 
oh my god, this is a different level. Or was it? Or did you just kind of already adjust to it and go, it's a bit faster, but I'm I prepared for this. No, it, I didn't even think. Oh, back then I wasn't thinking about speed. I, in my brain, I had everything you possibly could imagine. And and I got to the big leagues, and and right out of the gate, my my first at bat, I get a base hit and an RBI, and uh, think. <laughs> This is going to be simple. Well, fast forward <laughs> six weeks later, I'm sitting sitting in my locker having a beer. You know, woe is, woe is me it with, with a couple of teammates saying, you know, and I think at the time I was hitting 197 and saying to my buddy, big legs is really hard. And him looking at me, kind of looking at me like, yeah, no shit, Brett. What do you think it was going to be? I've, I've been up and down <laughs> for the last five years. So it's a humbling experience. And it's, and this game will knock you down. And the guys that, that are able to get off the deck, you know, brush themselves off, make an adjustment. This game at the highest level is all about making adjustments. The guys that do it are going to stay and play for a long time. The guys that don't are going to be cast to the side and, and, you know, basically it's next. So uh, you need to make adjustments at at this game. The big leagues, you know what I noticed the most about the big leagues is in the minor leagues, I had the ability to lay off a breaking ball. And, and that's a big skill, and I, and I see that in young players. The ability to lay off bad pitches is a skill. The thing is, in the big leagues, it, you know, they go breaking ball, ball one, breaking ball, ball two. Now it's fastball time, right? No, in the big leagues, they go breaking ball, strike one, breaking ball, strike two, fastball at the top of the zone. I chase it because I'm so anxious and a young player. So I got, I got beaten down pretty good, you know, in my first go around in the big leagues, but like I said, it's all about adjustments and the guys that make it, they get to play for a long time. The guys that don't, uh, they kind of get cast and got to go get a job in the real world. So, uh, it, it's a fascinating thing to watch these, these young kids in their, in their journey from minor leagues to the big leagues. When you're having that kind of a, a downward spiral, if you will, you're kind of sitting there going, what was me? And you look a little further down your locker and you see Ken Griffey jr. Who's just ripping it one after the next. Are you looking at that guy and going, oh, my God, God bless you? Or are you just saying, what is that guy doing that I could do? You're always, you're always, you know, as you as you go through and as you learn and as you go through adversity and tough times, you know, on the professional level, uh, you start watching the best. I started watching the best in the world. How do they prepare? What do they do differently? I, I picked the brains of, of great right-handed hitters that that I want to emulate, you know, why do you do these things? You maybe, maybe a player that's got more experience than you've been there and done that a few more years than you, you're always learning. And, and just when you think you, you know, everything you get knocked on your butt again and you don't. Uh, so I'm still learning to this day. You know, I, I watch these young kids and how they prepare versus when I was their age and how I prepared, you know, some of the things I disagree with, but some of the things I, th- I think, wow, I wish I would have known that when I was 18, 20 years old. So you, this game, you're just constantly learning. You're constantly trying to find an edge, finding something you can do differently to, to give you a little bit of an advantage or, 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 or just do your homework a little more thorough. Uh, it's, it's the game inside the game. It's, it's something that I'm enamored with. I, I never can get enough talk in the game and just the intricacies of it. And uh, it's a fascinating thing. And I think the guys that are most efficient are the guys that really do a deep dive into the game inside the game. You know, it's beyond just go up there and look for a fastball away. It's no tendencies. It's, what has he done to me this series? What has he done to me in the past? What has he done to me in the past 
several years, and I'm talking about pitchers, the, oppo- the opposing pitchers. Uh, what has happened in this series? Who's hitting in front of me? Who's hitting behind me? Who's the umpire? What's my history with him? It's just uh, the list goes on and on, but it's something I'm absolutely enamored with. So you're playing in the 90s, and you've gone through hell and back to even go from minor leagues to go up to the major leagues. It's the mid-90s, and you're watching Sports Center like everybody else. And the biggest news of 94 is that Michael Jordan is going to retire from the game of basketball. And then with, literally within about two weeks, it's announced that he's going to get a go at Major League Baseball. What are your thoughts of that at that time? Are you thinking this is great for the game or like, man, just another guy who thinks he could just show up and, and take and take someone's spot? Well, I don't necessarily look at it that way. You know, I don't look at it as taking somebody's spot. There's a lot of spots in the minor leagues. And, and if you're replacing somebody in the minor leagues with a Michael Jordan type spot, well, it might be doing that guy a favor anyway, because he's not going to make it at the highest level. Um, and when you're Michael Jordan, you have certain uh, things handed to you that you normally wouldn't. You've kind of earned your stripes. Uh, what you bring to the game in positivity outweighs whether you you are really capable of, of fulfilling, uh, you know, ah, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, living up to, to, to what a pro baseball player is. I, I looked at that situation. And I thought, wow, this is going to be a great uh, thing for people to follow. Uh, he's got no chance in my eyes at the time. I remember you can't just go from the NBA to, to major league baseball. It doesn't, it doesn't work. And and Michael was never a a major league talent, but I'll tell you what he did do. He went to the double a level, which is a high level. You know, we talked about that earlier. That's, that's pretty good baseball. The the pros at the double a level are very good. And to just go from the NBA being the greatest player in the world to double A baseball and hitting 200. It, I know it sounds terrible, a 200 average. He was probably the worst hitter in the league, but to actually hit 200 and he drove in 50 runs in a minor league season. There's a lot of minor league people that have dedicated their life to this game that never driven have driven in 50 runs in a season. And for Michael to do that, I tip my cap to him. Just evaluating him on his how he moved and how he how he was as a hitter. Uh, my evaluation is he has no chance to be a big legger, but but the fact that he went from the NBA to a double A level, hit two hundred and drove in fifty runs, I got a lot of respect for that because not too many people, if anyone I know, could just go from another occupation to the double A level and succeed at that at the pace that he did. So, in the baseball world, two hundred is a failing average without a doubt. But considering uh, the circumstances around it. I thought it was a huge win for Michael, and I and I thought it was a pretty awesome thing. Is there a piece of you like? I mean, I guess it's not the same as basketball or football, where you could take that person on one on one. Is there a part of you that was like, man, it would be nice if this guy got brought up so I could uh, we could do a little comparing of skills, a little mano a mano action, you know? No, I think that would cheapen the major league uniform. You know, I think you, if you're a big leaguer, uh, you're a big leaguer and you earn that. And I don't think you cheapen that uniform with any sort of uh, PR gesture. I, I've just never uh, been a proponent of that. I remember in, in uh, 1991, I believe it was, and, and my dad at the time had signed with the Seattle Mariners. I, I was in the Mariners organization as a minor leaguer coming off my, my first A-ball season. I was in minor league camp. Dad obviously was in big league camp, and this was his last spring training professionally. 
And I remember one day they wanted to bring me up from the minor leagues to play in a big league spring training game so I could play with my dad. Wow. Well, we thought about it for a minute and, and we decided against it. You know, I, I didn't want to be a part of a PR stunt. I didn't want to go up there. I wanted to be up there when I deserved to be up there and, and put on that big league uniform. And it was legitimate. At the time, I hadn't earned that, you know. The only the only father son that have done that was was the Griffies, and it was legitimate. And I wouldn't want to cheapen what they did by by going and playing in a spring training game when I hadn't earned that right yet. So, I, no, I'm not a fan of that at all. I think the the big leagues is a sacred place. The big league uniform is sacred. To put that on, it's got to be a hundred percent earned. So I. I, I no, I wouldn't have liked to see Michael getting called up because it wouldn't have been a legitimate call-up. I think we're living in a time right now, Tim, you know, a lot of talk about Tim Tebow. I think Tim Tebow, from what I can see, is, is a great man, is a great ambassador, is a great person for, for sports in general. But to send him to the big leagues right now, I think would be a detriment, and, and I think it would be a disservice to Major League Baseball because he's not a big league player and, and never will be, in my opinion. Uh, do I think he's great for the game? Yes. Uh, I think he's a great ambassador for life. You know, it's, it's really tough for me at the beginning thinking, what is this Tebow thing? And, and watching him and watching his dedication and, and the time he's put in and the way he speaks. Uh, I think he's just a, a really good human being and not doing a bad thing. But to put him in the big leagues, eh, big leagues is the big leagues. And, and I think it's a sacred place that needs to be treated as such. Brett, what if I were to tell you that the big leagues may not be exactly what they used to be? And what if I were to tell you that under 2020, during the coronavirus and a pandemic, Major League Baseball is being faced with some really, really strange obstacles. Number one, they're the first professional of the major sports to have a season. Granted, a shortened season by 100 games. But right now, there are different types of things that are going on within this weird I'm going to use a proverbial bubble because they're not in an actual bubble like the NBA is. But what if I were to tell you that right now, a team like the Cleveland Indians, who you picked to be one of the better teams of the year, is having issues with players who are not following these COVID protocols. And because of it, <laughs> it's causing some pretty interesting rifts within the organization. Of course, I thought about Clevenger and Plesak, but I mean, what if I were to tell you that this was going on? Give me a perspective of, of A, I know how I feel. I think it's stupid. But as a former athlete and a guy who been there, done that, and, and understands what it means to play in this game and what it means to, like you just descriptively put it, be a major leaguer, what does this do for you? Well, I've been following this a little bit. And, uh, you know, I heard the other day they were sent down to the minor leagues. And the first thing that went to my brain is, what are, what are we, in high school? <laughs> uh, we're going to send you – this is – you know, I saw players come out, and, and this is how I know the game has changed a little bit. And I'm not saying every team or every player, but I saw players criticizing Clevenger and criticizing Plesak. Well, uh, well, real quick, before I don't, want, I don't want to cut you off, but for those of you that do not know what's going on, these two guys not following the COVID protocols, and as a, as a uh, disciplinary action, they've been sent down to the minors. So go ahead. Well, from how, and correct me if I'm wrong, from how I understand it, it was Clevenger and Police Act somehow, there's an unwritten rule. It wasn't law, uh, what they did, but, you know, kind of a team rule. And, and I think a very, 
a very fair rule is, hey, guys, we're going to make a pact with each other that we don't leave the hotel. Obviously, legally, we can do everything, anything we want. We're adults. But as a team with a 60-game schedule, it's imperative that we stick together and we don't go against protocol. We don't leave the hotel. We just don't. Now, these two decided to sneak out, you know, uh, Clevenger, veteran player, decided to sneak out, and they kind of got caught. Okay, they came back. They were they were COVID negative, so there were no repercussions for the team. But it, their teammates got upset, and I could see, rightfully so. You know, when I make a pack with my teammates, it's kind of like, hey, guys, I expect everybody to follow it. If I'm following it, you need to follow it, and everybody needs to follow it. That being said, I saw uh, teammates of theirs go to the podium and call them out publicly. I had a lot of riffs with players through the years, and the one thing I would never, ever do is publicly out any of my teammates. It doesn't matter what kind of fight, what kind of bad blood I have with a teammate. He's my teammate. I got to go to war with him every night. And I don't mean to cheapen the word war, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I, I need to go to battle with him every night. And whatever my differences is with him personally, when that game starts, I have an obligation to my team, my city, my organization to be his teammate and have his back. I saw players coming out, calling them out publicly. And I just thought, wow, Things have changed. We would have never done that. If you and I, and, and I don't say what Clevenger and Police Act done. I don't condone it one bit. But to publicly call them out, another player—that's for the media to call him out, call those players out. It's not for players. And I saw players calling other players on their team out, and I'm going, "What is going on? This is not. This is not how we do things." Then I see, you know, and, and we don't have all the facts here, but then you see the backstory is. Okay, uh, other veteran players said if Clevenger and Plesak come come back, they're going to opt out of the season. What what kind of circus are we running here? It's like we're all adults. We're big league players. This isn't little league. This isn't high school baseball where we slap you on the wrist and sit you out and teach you a life lesson. My first, and this is just my feelings, you're the Cleveland Indians. You have an overwhelming obligation to be the best team you can be for the city of Cleveland, for the Cleveland Indians franchise, and for more importantly, those fans that put everything they got into supporting you. Uh, yeah, Clevenger, please act, find them an undisclosed amount of money, whatever you can do. Take care of that from a punishment standpoint in another way, but to take them two intricate players to their team, to send them into the minor leagues, that's going to hurt your chances as the Indians to get to the postseason and do some damage in the postseason. It affects the bottom line. I can't believe it, it's being treated like a high school, you know, you missed class or you have a D in your class. Well, those are the rules in high school, and it's a little different. There's not as much on the line. This is Major League Baseball. You might, you never know when that one chance to get to that World Series and win a World Series, it might only come once in your life. And because some teammates are upset that you broke protocol, even though they were wrong by breaking protocol, but, but to let that say, okay, we're going to throw the season away potentially because we're going to send two of our main pitchers to the minor leagues to teach them a lesson seems very uh, – <sighs> Very high school to me. What I find even more interesting is that it seems as though the commissioner, Major League Baseball, and the players union all seem to be kind of working together on this. Like, there's a lot of people are pretty upset at these two guys. And a lot of people are, I mean, I guess in terms of what they were doing, what I saw reports of, and this may or may not be 100% accurate, but they were going out to eat on the road. They would 
hang out with their wives or their girlfriends or fly them in to spend time with them. doesn't seem like tremendous stuff, but I guess they weren't, you know, being the, whoever they were flying in was exactly. Well, being tested. I, I, I think it's we're a result, weird. We're a result oriented society. So now, and once again, I'm going to go to, yeah, I completely condemn what these guys are doing. That's a, that's a, that's a sign of a really bad teammate that's made some really bad choices. But the bottom line is, did it affect the team? Well, maybe internally, yeah, but but they didn't they didn't test positive for Corona, so mm-hmm. they, there was no suspensions. There mm-hmm. were no they, they didn't have to sit on the sidelines. They weren't going to miss a beat. Yes, I condemn what they did. That that's being a bad teammate. One, once you get into this and you make this deal, you're all in it together. You all follow protocol. You all stay in the hotel. That's what you're supposed to do. Legally, no, they're adults. They don't have to do that. But to jeopardize their team, even though they didn't come up positive, yes, that's jeopardizing my team. So I think horrible teammate. That being said, I have one chance to win. My goal is to go out and win at the major league level. Yes, I made a stake, a personal mistake, a bad choice, but to hurt the whole Cleveland fan base organization city because of something I did that didn't result in a positive test. I, I don't understand how, how, how you can affect them that way. What if Tom Brady was at the Super Bowl and, and the team rules where curfew was at 12 o'clock and somebody caught Tom Brady at 1 a.m.? <laughs> Is he going to be, are they going to suspend him and he's not going to be the quarterback in the Super Bowl game? I know it's an outlandish comparison, but, is he not going to be the quarterback that day? Cause they're going to stick to their guns and the rules. Accurate. Accurate. It's ridiculous. My opinion. I agree with you because again, it's a shortened season. They're pretending as if this is something you could do to somebody. Under right. There's other, there's games. other ways you can condemn it. There's other ways that you can, you can uh, punish them without punishing the team. <laughs> the team needs those two pitchers. Which is now why you don't weird, have them. Which is why it's weird that the other players would call them out. I mean, you could call these which guys is, out, right? Which you're is hurting my, yourself, right? Which is my my call that wow, things have changed. <laughs> the one thing we do as players is we have differences. We don't all get along. We're not all best friends, but we also don't go to the podium and call out teammates. Doesn't matter what the individual relationship is. I have an obligation to do the best for my team. Once that game starts, starts to finish, I have an obligation to be the best teammate I can be and be pulling on the same end as every teammate in there. Once that game ends, I can pick my own friends. I pick who I go to dinner with. But as a professional, I have an obligation from 7 to 10 every night. I use that in a scenario that most big league games starts at (laughs) 7 to be the best team teammate I can be. But after that, you can pick your own friends. And that's kind of a thing that that's kind of said in baseball. You pick your own friends once that game ends. Uh, but to see them being called out publicly, <laughs> I just, I laughed and just shook my head and said, things are changing. You ever stick up for a player during a game? And then while you're sticking up for that player, you're like, oh my God, this guy does not deserve me sticking up for this guy. I almost wish somebody would knock this guy's clock out, but I have to, as a teammate, I got to stick up for this guy. Without a doubt. And I would protect my teammate to the end, no matter what, why he's on my team. And, and we have all the same, you know, the same goals in mind, win the game. So yes, I will back my teammate to the end when I'm on that field with the same uniform as him, uh, against any opponent. 
And it doesn't matter whether he's right or he's wrong. He's my teammate and I have an obligation. And I felt like when I signed up and I play for that organization, I have an obligation to def- defend each and every one of those other 24 guys on the roster. So, uh, yeah, I definitely had some some conflicts of interest where I thought, you know, this guy doesn't deserve for me <laughs> to stick up for him right now. <laughs> but I signed up for this, and he's my teammate, and he's got the same same logo as I do on the front of my chest. And that's m- my obligation is to be the best teammate I could. But, yes, definitely uh, personal, you know, battles going on in my brain where, no, that he doesn't deserve me. To, well, it doesn't matter whether he deserves this is my teammate. And then the bottom line is winning games. Best hazing story of, of somebody coming into the major league. Something best prank, something fun where somebody went, ah, they, they, this, they, is, they, this, is, this is the new life for me. Man, I got hazed this. I got hazed three times. And, and one time I had to put on a, uh, oh, I forget what. It, oh, coming off a, coming off a game in Cleveland, I, they cut all the, you know, it was simple things, but cut all the buttons off my button up shirt. <laughs> so now you can wear the shirt and you know, not too many people are going to see it, but you're going to get on the plane and everybody's going to see you. Maybe cut the, the legs off my suit pants. Um, oh, the best was wrestling. I'd wear wrestling like the, the old fashioned wrestling gear, the one piece. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that Bob Backlund back in the day, <laughs> WWE, you know, he'd wear <laughs> Oh, Leotard. with the headgear. One time I had to wear a dress and, and I kind of played it up. I, I cut it off and I made it a mini skirt. I kind of rolled with the haze, nice. you know, because I thought nice. because I thought if you fight it, you're a rookie. You're getting hazed for a reason. Nothing ever was bad done. Just just in all in good fun. You know, of th- course, that, that was kind of the thing. It's uh, yeah, you got to wear a dress. You're a rookie. Well, I embraced it. And I, now I'm going to turn this dress into a mini skirt and have fun with it <laughs> instead of fighting it because now I'm going to have to wear a dress again and a dress again and a dress again. I personally never really hazed players as I got older. Uh, you know, when I was a veteran player and had, you know, now I'd see young, young players coming to the big leagues. I always looked at it as as long as you respect the players that have been there and done that, I could care less if you're cocky, uh, whatever your behavior is or the bottom line is tonight, you've got to go face Greg Maddox tonight. Oh, He's wow. going to humble you for me. I'm not going to have to humble you by putting a dress on you. He's going to humble you. <laughs> so so I never worried about that. As long as you respected my teammates and the guys that have been there and done that, I'm going to let you find your way, and you're going to get knocked down. And, and what I wanted to see is those guys that get knocked down, how they get up and brush themselves off, because those are the guys that are going to be around and going to be my teammates for years to come. As a radio broadcaster, it always, I always enjoyed watching people go on the air for the first time, like live on the radio, live on something, because there is no feeling quite like it. The minute somebody says your name, if you're doing, if you're on a news station or you're doing a music station or a sports station, whatever it is, the first time you see that light go on and the red light goes on, you can literally, if you're a guy, your your cojones almost come straight up to your your throat. As a guy like you who played in the major leagues, every time you saw somebody with their first major league experience, is that something everybody kind of watches? Is that something that you're like, man, I remember that? Or are you just kind of like, man, I hope it goes quick for this guy because I remember how uh, how nervous I was when I went up there. No, and I think I don't really pay much attention. And I think in today's game, these kids are coming up now are, are kind of a little more well-versed than we were, you know, 
because of all the outlets, because of the interaction, because of the training they have, it, it seems like, you know, at 18, I, I see a guy, you know, just out of the draft and doing his interviews. And it's almost like he's been in, in speaking class for the last two years from 16 to 18, because he comes off pretty polished for an 18 year old kid. You know, when we were 18, it was probably our, tr- our, our truly our first interview live. It, it, but it seems like nowadays, it's almost like these kids are, are, are brought up and, and kind of have training before they get to that 18 year old first interview. They've maybe had 20 mock interviews. It's actually pretty mm-hmm. cool to see that, that not only are you up in the training and the, and the diet and, and uh, all the using all the data and the, um, and the, uh, all the, all the sources we have available to us now, but you're also going one further and you're going, no, not only that, but we're going to train you how to behave as a professional when the camera comes on. I, I think that's cool. That's kind of called full package. <laughs> well, the full package is bread boon, silver slugger, all-star. And of course my favorite, the golden Glover. I don't know why I love that stat. The most when it comes to athletes, the golden glove is awesome. It's fun to say silver slugger as well. He is Brett Boone and you can actually reach out to him on Twitter at the Boone 29. Brett, anything you want to say before we head on out for the week? No, got a little golf this week. Uh, report back to you at our next little podcast. Uh, and you, you, you got to get to the range. I told you no golf for you for six months. All right. Other than that, have a good week, everybody. Things we learned today. Brett Boone likes a good orange roughy and likes to steam out his spinach. Michael Jordan was good for the game, but could never made the major leagues. And he actually prefers a miniskirt as opposed to a dress. Brett, thanks so much for doing it again. Again, he is at the Boone 29 on Twitter. If you have questions, if you want to know something about Brett, reach out to him. He will be an open book. And we'll even mention it here on the podcast as well. And again, subscribe, share, tell everybody about this podcast. It is the Boone Podcast, and you can reach in and listen to it wherever you download your podcast. My name is Dan Levy. I'm on Twitter at Base on Air. We'll see you guys again next week. See you guys later.